I know you don't need me to tell you that it's always fun to interview somebody that you grew up admiring as a child, and I would stay up way later than I was supposed to sometimes watching tape-delayed broadcasts of University of Kentucky Wildcat football and basketball games, anchored in many cases by our special guest today, Mr. Rob Bromley, a retired sportscaster who has spent most of his career in Lexington. We're going to find out about some of the great games he covered, the uh, wonderful players and coaches that he was privileged to meet and uh, develop a strong rapport with. And gosh, he's one of those people that we could almost do two shows with. But uh, we've got an action-packed, info-packed show with Mr. Rob Bromley headed your way right now on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Season 6, Episode 3. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Somerset to Summershade, Slade to Sloan, we absolutely fit the Commonwealth like a glove, right here and only here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we thoughtfully and faithfully explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the Noteworthy, near-perfect North Quell Motel, in stunning Henderson KY, now I'm no fool. I know that none of you tuned in to hear me, so I'm going to shut up in mere moments and let you hear from the great Rob Romley. He is our special guest this time around, and to say that he is a special guest is by no means an understatement. Like we told you, he was a longtime fixture on the uh, statewide UK television network back when it existed. He anchored many of the tape-delayed broadcasts of UK football and basketball games. He did this for many of the years that he served at WKYT-TV in Lexington as a sports anchor. Now, I won't tell you too much more about Rob before we talk because I don't want to spoil it, but I will tell you this. Rob Bromley came to WKYT in 1977, and he remained there through his retirement in 2017. It was not Rob's first job, but it was his last. And anybody that stays in one spot for so long and does so well deserves all the recognition that they get, and then some. <laughs> and Rob is no exception. So we'll find out where he came from originally, how he found his way to Lexington. Like we said, you'll hear about a handful of the players and coaches that he was privileged to develop a rapport with through the years and cover over his uh, extensive career in broadcasting. And if you aspire to become the next great sports anchor or perhaps the next great play-by-play -play voice, Rob has some excellent tips and tricks for you to remember, and we will hear those towards the end of our visit. It's going to be a dandy if I do say so myself, so you keep it right where you've got it. But before I chat with Rob, I have one last item to offer you, and that is your weekly Bluegrass Brain Buster. We try to do one of these at the beginning of each and every show, so you'll get the question at this point. You can stew on it while Rob Romley and I do our thing, and then I will let you know of the answer at the conclusion of today's show. So with that... One of the last battles in the Revolutionary War was fought right here in the Commonwealth. What was the name of this battle? Again, one of the last battles in the Revolutionary War was fought right here in the Commonwealth. What was the name of this battle? 
get the wheel spinning, but don't go digging too far because you might miss a very memorable quote from the great Rob Bromley, but we will let you know of the answer in the program's final segment. Best of luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, I am beyond excited to have a man who I grew up with. I stayed up way too late many a night watching his tape delay broadcasts on television of UK football and basketball. He spent 40 years, yes, you heard me right, 40 years at WKYT in uh, Lexington. He retired in 2017. Uh, Like we said, he was a fixture on the statewide UK television network for uh, a lot of those years. And needless to say, he uh, covered a a fair amount of players and coaches and worked with plenty of other broadcasting legends whose names I know that everybody will will recognize. So here to talk to us about that and much, much more is none other than Mr. Rob Bromley. Hey, well, Sam, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you can remember those days from, uh, the early eighties and on into the nineties when we did those, those, those telecasts, it's, uh, uh, it's changed a lot since then. There's no longer any need to have a, a statewide, uh, football and, and basketball network with the way things have changed with ESPN and the SEC network and how everything's gone with the other networks and oh, yeah. how you can watch, you can watch just about any game <laughs> that's Anytime. on anywhere now <laughs> yes regardless of what sport it is uh, yes and you can watch it on your phone wherever you may be that's so the truth <laughs> quite a different world quite it a is. Different world. you know you ask uh, you ask little kids today and you're like what the sec network didn't exist back then yeah i know <laughs> i know it's hard to explain to someone what it was like without without espn you go back you know pre-1980 right. and what all that was like so that's a lot Absolutely. different. Absolutely. Let's see. You've been in Lexington since '77, but you're originally right. from Rome, New York, aren't you? That's that's right. I grew up in upstate New York, and uh, the first 18 years of my life lived yeah. up there. Sam. Both my parents were from uh, Buffalo. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a civil engineer, and his job uh, after. The war was, he was uh, at Rome Air Development Center at Griffiths Air Force Base. That's why we lived there. That was a small sack base that the government closed after the Gulf War. Now, the air base is still there, but uh, it's no longer, um, you know, it's no longer an air, it's no longer an Air Force base, but it was a small sack base. But the first 18 years were up there, and and that's kind of where I got interested in sports, just Really, you know, watching that black and white TV with my brother, uh, that's kind of how it got started. And then going to the first high school game there in the mid-50s and Ah. was kind of hooked. Uh, Yeah, that was kind of how it got started. But, you know, watching the TV, and my parents had no interest in sports. They they really didn't. Uh, But we got interested in it, watching uh, what was on back at that time. Sure. And, uh, the big thing was was the big thing was you know, it was baseball. Really, was watching the Yankees and listening to the Yankees on the radio, and then you know football oh, yeah. was probably football was probably second. Were you a Bills fan <laughs> growing up in New York, Rob? <laughs> you know, I was a big New York Giants fan. Sam. Oh, Giants! Uh, yeah, oh yeah, they had won. You see, they had won the the championship there in 56 and then they never won another one they they were you know they play, they were in the game with the colts in 58 and they were in the championship in 59 in 61 and 62 and 63 and uh after 63 they lost all those championship games <laughs> to the colts, you know the colts the packers and the, the bears was the last sure. one. They, they became a bad team in 1964 uh and then I, I left I left New York State, you know, to go out to Butler in Indianapolis to go to school. And I, I kind of drifted away from that. When did it dawn on you, Rob, that a broadcasting just might be what you were called to do, sir? 
probably Sam when I was a junior or sophomore in high school. Okay. I kind of started to so this would have been 19 you know 65 66 67 uh, my junior year of high school we did uh, a pretty big school play uh, our town and that went real well and I, I I got into the student speaking contest later that spring this was my junior year 67 and and didn't win it uh but uh, I won it my senior year, won the school speaking contest, was in the senior play that year and just kind of got the idea, you know, I, I, gosh, I think I'd like to be a, a sports broadcaster. I think I could do it. That's, that's kind of the roots of it. Okay. So it goes back to, to yeah, your high I, school days. Yeah. It goes back to just watching that black and white TV and listening to the radio too with my brother. Like you mentioned that your first taste of broadcasting came uh, while you were at Butler, you worked at yeah. uh, a station called the WXLW. Now, what what kind of format did they have, Rob? Oh, they were a. Uh, that was my senior year. We, uh, I went to Butler. To make a long story short, they had a they had a student radio station. They had a uh -huh. 75,000 75, watt FM. As gotcha. it turns out, they they sold the frequency in the eighties. But you know, I mean it. I don't know. They got, I'm sure they got over a million dollars for it, but that's, that's the way time goes. But right. Being, being on the student run station there, right on campus, that gave me a lot of experience in my senior year. I got a job reading afternoon newscast. This would have been the spring of 72 on WXLW, which was on, it was on 30th street, uh, just North of the speedway. Uh, it's pretty, not too far. From, the speedway is pretty much between about 15th and 30th. And it was uh -huh. just, uh, it was, a uh, it was top 40. It was a, it was a daytimer. Uh, see, they did, did away with, I guess the daytimers now, but yeah. it was a 5,000 watt. Yeah. They, it was a 5,000 watt daytimer and it was, it was top 40 and they wanted someone to, to read the, you know, they had like one newsman who was, did the mornings and was out of there by like one o'clock in the afternoon. So they wanted somebody to come in about one and, and do two newscasts an hour up until as far as the station was on the air. And since it was winter, this was like February. I mean, we weren't on the air that long because the station probably signed off around five thirty or six. So I would do these afternoon newscasts, um, uh, on WXLW, it wasn't it wasn't too far from where the campus was, and uh, I mean it was great. It was uh, it was where I got you know some actually got paid for something you know. Yeah, that's kind of when your that's when your career starts when you start getting. <laughs> I don't I don't regard my career as starting when I went on the student station at Butler. It started when they I got that first check. There you go. In, in <laughs> February of '72, but that's that's what I did, and uh, it was reading newscasts. And uh, the biggest thing that happened on the afternoons that I was on the air came in May. It was the assassination attempt on George Wallace. I'll never forget. In I think it was in Silver Spring, Maryland, where Wallace was shot, and that was probably the biggest thing that happened any of those hours that I was on the air. We had a UPI machine that that rang and rang. I mean, you know how you get you'd get a certain number of bells. Oh yeah. And if <laughs> like yeah, if like if five five bells went off, that was a you better come over and rip this off and see what's going on. Yeah. And the bullet the bulletin came over that so that was the biggest thing. But I was going to graduate from Butler and I needed a full-time job so I went to work at a, a small radio station in Lyme Ohio which was a daytimer just a 250 watt daytimer WCIT and that was the first full-time job that I had but sports okay. wise sports wise I got tremendous experience on the student station at Butler tremendous because mm -hmm. we did all the football and basketball games well, and that was... was the only radio that Butler had there was no commercial station Okay, so if you <laughs> so no if you want to listen to football, <laughs> right? You listen to you listen to the student announcers. There I mean, they're, now it's different now, obviously, but I mean, they were, you know, the football was it's just it was small college, and you know, we went to you know De, DePaul and Valparaiso, Evansville, you know, played Wabash, 
Uh, they still played. They st- when I got there, they still played Ball State, Indiana State, Western Kentucky. They were still slugging it out. As this was a school of only about twenty six hundred, but they were still playing these bigger schools. But and that changed. But the basketball, Sam was. I mean, I did games in half of the Big Ten schools. As How a about student. that? Yeah, St. <laughs> John Arena in Columbus, Purdue, I, the old building at IU, which was the old R before they opened. They opened Assembly Hall like my senior year. Uh, but Minnesota, Northwestern, which was they've remodeled that. It was a McGaw Hall back at that time. But Williams Arena up in up in Minneapolis. Oh, Which yeah, they call that class. the barn, don't they? They have a barn. I mean, I was up there and, oh, you know, it was probably my junior year, probably about 19th, December 70. Most of these games were, were, well, they were all in December. But, I mean, we played Western Kentucky, Toledo, uh, Michigan State, Jenison Fieldhouse at, in East Lansing before they built the new building there. I mean, we went. So, I mean, it was fantastic experience doing games. Oh, yeah. And then when I got to uh, my owner, I mean, he paid me, they paid me, I made 500 a month. Oh, did you? 500 <laughs> months. When I drove up there to interview in April of 72, I was driving up I-65. I was going to have to cut across on a you know two-lane highway to get over to Lyman. I thought if he, if he, offers, if he offers me 500 a month, I'll take it. <laughs> and that's what he offered me. But the owner was good. The owner was good. I mean, he was a local businessman. And that, you know, that was the way ownership was back in those days. It, yeah. you know, stations were locally owned. And that was, I mean, that was true of uh, like, like here, WKYT was owned by Kentucky Central. Or you take, you know, WHAS, I can't remember the name of the family over there, you know, that owned, but stations were locally owned. They, and the owner was good. I, I suggested to him, he had an AM and an FM. The FM mm-hmm. was beautiful music. And yeah. I suggested to him, well, we ought to do some high school games on your FM. And he was kind of hesitant about it, but then he agreed to it. So the next two years, 72, 73, 73, 74, I, I did high school football and basketball in Lima and around Northwest Ohio. Oh, and cool. one year I did, yeah, one year, yeah. And then one year after the first year, this guy calls me in the summer and he says, he says, do you want, you want to do Bowling Green football? Mm. And I said, well, yeah, I'll do, I'll do Bowling Green football. So sure. I did one season. This was before they bid the contract. There were, so there were two networks. There were two stations doing Bowling Green football in 1973. I did that one season. Then they bid the contract and the station in Fostoria got it. So anyway, you know, I did another season of high school football, 73, 74, and I, the economy wasn't good. And I was trying to find another job in radio and I couldn't because nobody was hiring and the sports job opened up at the NBC station. So I went over to TV. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's when television started. That's when television started. And it was a small NBC station and started doing, that was a full-time sports job. Uh, doing working two to midnight, doing the nightly sports. And uh, that's how I got into TV in 74. And then uh, after two and a half, then, you know, two years go by and you can't find another job. The economy's not good. Getting a little better. Wasn't in Lima, but uh, out of the blue comes a call from Denny Treese, who was the sportscaster in Lexington at WKYT. He'd call me right before Christmas. Oh, I've heard and that said, night. Yeah. He said, we, we, would you want to come down here? and We're going to expand two people. Uh, would you come on and come down here and do weekends? Uh, and I said, well, yeah. So in January, January 17th of 77 was the first night on the air at at WKYT. That's cool. And Denny, well, that was a Monday. Denny was, you know, because we did the games, he traveled with the team. Uh, they were on the old Saturday-Monday schedule with basketball back then. So I did a lot of Mondays and Fridays in addition to anchoring the Saturdays and Sundays. So I was on the air quite a bit, really. So it was, yeah. a, it was a good thing. 
I would thing. say that, so. So one seventeen seventy seven was when. Yeah, March seventeenth. <laughs> oh, no, January seventeenth, nineteen seventy seven. Kentucky played Florida down in Gainesville that night. That was the first night on the air. So that and, was your uh, first, uh, the first game you covered. No, nah, well, no, I didn't. Denny was down there. I was doing just the nightly sports. Oh, you were the anchor yeah. that night. Okay. That was the anchor, anchor <laughs> in the sports. I didn't do the games until 1980. Denny, you know, got the job in Kansas City, went out to Kansas City to do the Royals. And I started March of 1980 doing the weeknights. Ah. So now, as far as covering games, Denny, uh, they had in 77, and this is ironic, Sam, but in 77, they had Denny doing the state tournament. So I went to the regional final, Kentucky, North Carolina, in College Park in 77. Did you now? <laughs> yes, I did, which, of course, that was the game where Dean Smith stalled it with about seven minutes to go. You know, they had about, Caroline had about, a, you know, a seven or eight point lead, and Kentucky got it down to, once he stalled it, they got it down to two or three. But that team, the first year I was here, that team was pretty good. That was the year before Kentucky won it in 78. That team was pretty good. Uh, but that, but it's ironic, the irony of that, that was the first NCAA game that I ever covered. It was a regional loss to North Carolina. The last NCAA game I ever covered was a regional loss to North Carolina. That is, that's true, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is pretty amazing. Of course, uh, the last one in 2017 was on a last second shot. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, well, they had some big shots down the stretch there. I can't remember the guy's name who hit the big shots down the stretch there for Carolina. But yeah. I mean, that would have that denied me a trip to the. But <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I went to enough Final Four, Sam. I can't, you know, I really, I'd have to sit down and write them all down. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> Final fours that I went through over the forty years, and uh, the regionals, the regionals. Yeah, if you the sweet scenes. Yeah, <laughs> I was very blessed, very, very lucky. Absolutely, yeah. You, uh, you covered quite a few there. So your first basketball game was uh, uh, the regional game in '77 against the Tar Heels. Yeah. What was uh, yeah. what was the first football game that you covered? Do you remember? Uh, well, as far as, um, being at, as far as being at Commonwealth stadium, it was the opening game of the 77 season, the 10 and one team. And they played, ironically, they played North Carolina, the team they had defeated in the Peach Bowl. Oh, they played the Tar Heels that day. (laughs) Yes, they did. And then right before I came to Lexington. They played, they played North Carolina and Atlanta. So they opened the season against North Carolina. And the interesting thing of that team would go on to that would win that day and won 10 games. But the thing about that game is with about four and a half minutes to go, the score is seven to three, North Carolina. Oh, uh-huh. and Kentucky, Kentucky drops back to punt. And I'm standing just outside the old press box that was on the mezzanine level is fantastic was it uh, they've built the new they've got the new press box now up at the top of the but i'm standing up there and kentucky lines up the punt and uh, i looked at the scoreboard clock and i said to myself they're beat and yeah. kid punched the ball and north carolina player goes right through his hands oh fumble Fumbled it, yeah. And then Kentucky <laughs> went down. Derek Ramsey converted twice on fourth down to pull that game out. He scrambled one time on fourth down, and then down at the goal line, it was fourth and one, and he took it over, and they won the game 10-7. 10-7. So I'll, I'll, yeah, 10, <laughs> and they, they went on to win nine more. They lost the next week to Baylor. That was the only game they lost. But that was yeah. a – that was a great, great season. Then the first one that I ever did on the delay, that was 1980. Played, played the first opening game of the 80 season. Played Utah State. Utah State. Played Utah State and uh, beat them. And uh, only won two other games that Uh-oh. year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, that was, you know, that was the beginning of 
the real downfall for Fran Kersey, which was hard. I mean, it went three and eight, three and eight the last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, and then the allegations yeah. came about, I know. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was actually before they had already been on probation and uh, they yeah. struggled. They struggled uh, with the recruiting restrictions. You know, they went they went like they were four, six and one, five and six, three and eight, three and eight. And, and then Claiborne yeah. came in and uh, had the winless season in 82, but then did, you know, did very well. But those first three years that I did the delay games, they only won six football games. Yeah. So it was, yeah. <laughs> it was tough that. sledding. <laughs> they were like six. Uh, well, I can figure out my, they were six, 26 and one. That's 626 and one. Gosh. Right. Three years. So, you know, that gives you an idea of what the fans, you know, I mean, there've been times when it's just been a, a an awful struggle over there. So oh yeah, it's, exactly. It's, 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 it's been, but it, you know, it, it, it's had, it got, it got a lot better there under, you know, Claiborne had a good year in 84 and it's up and, it's been up and down, but uh, it's they've really got it rolling now. They've really got it rolling. Yeah, Coach Stoops really, he's really doing a fine job. And uh, Rob, I know uh, a number of years that you spent on staff at uh, WKYT, you worked with a man that a lot of people affectionately call the mouth of the South, Mr. Dave Buzz Baker. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I'd like for you to talk, if you would, about the your experience uh, being co-workers with Dave and maybe share with us uh, one or two of your favorite Dave Baker stories. <laughs> oh, wow. And I tell you, I met Dave. He came in as he went to Georgetown college. He's from Franklin, Ohio. Uh-huh. And he came in as an intern in uh, early 1982. And then he came on board the sports staff, uh, in night in the spring of 1982 i guess it was like it was probably may of 1982 and has been there ever since and he's done a fantastic job he's a is a great talent you try to talk about stories gosh sam i don't know as far as anything uh specific <laughs> but we've we had some great times together um sure and, and dave you know talented guy he's done a lot of different things He's actually, you know, on the, doesn't appear on air that much now, but he's on the sales staff there. And no, so I thought been, he did some sales. Yeah, he's been on the sales staff since, oh, I guess it would be sometime in the 1990s. Uh, but, you know, we always had a, a, a good relationship and uh, had some fun times together on the road and, and you know, just... Uh, we always had pretty good camaraderie on the sports staff there on um, oh. the local, you know, local staff re really good. And yeah, yeah a lot of, a lot of great times with people. Um, even I didn't work directly with them like Kaywood and Ralph and. Uh, oh, sure. On the radio uh, side. Yeah. They're on the radio side. So, you know, I really traveled with them quite a bit and, you know, absolutely. And of course, so uh, got, I saw Kaywood and it was when the latter stages from 1980 retired in 92. So 80 to 92 uh, traveled with Kaywood and Ralph quite a bit. Uh, There's 12 years that you <laughs> all made right. a lot of the same road trips. Right. But, uh, but, you know, Dave and everybody that I worked with there uh, through the years at, at 27 has been uh, great. They've got a, They've got a they've got a good staff now, really really good staff. So they have yeah. they have missed a beat over there as far as the the local side. I've, you know, one thing that I was fortunate with Sam uh, just to be, you mentioned you watched you watched the ball games. Sure. And I was see I was the last person really to be on the nightly news, plus have a connection to the ball games. You know, I'm not trying to compare my myself to Kaywood, but but that's Kaywood was on the nightly sports over in at WHAS. And then he did the ball games. And I was really the last person to be able to have that connection. I wasn't on the radio, but I we did a lot of games. 
You know, we probably did in 1980, we did nine or 10 football games. Isn't that amazing? That, we, that's probably, really something. We probably did. Oh, uh, goodness. 13. We probably did thir- We probably did half the basketball schedule. And we did probably, you know, six live basketball games, six or seven live basketball games. They'd only let us do one football game live. Sure. But I was I was fortunate in that regard to have that connection because the way the structure is now, you you really can't have that connection very easily. That's true. You're either an anchor yeah. or you do play yeah, by I, play. It's not yeah, easy. or you're yeah, and jobs in radio are you know I mean sports jobs in radio are they're not easy to come by. I was fortunate the way things worked out for me that that I left radio when I did. I got into TV, onto the TV news side when it was really going to grow and grow a lot. There was going to be a lot of money going into it. There were going to be more and more news programs on the air. They're going to go to noon news, early morning news. There were a lot of people watching the nightly news. But then, of course, what happens? Well, all this, you know, ESPN comes in. I mean, from a news standpoint, then CNN comes in. Fox News comes in. You've got all this. Like right now, you can turn on your TV and get any kind of national stuff you want. Exactly. And, and it that takes away from what your product is uh, locally, although the local product it still holds up pretty well. Uh, it does. There's a, there's a ton of newscasts on here. I know that. You've got four <laughs> stations cranking them out. Yeah, about four four in the morning until eleven thirty <laughs> at night. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a lot of news. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but then you're right. You've got all those those cable options now too. So that's a, a big change in uh, in oh, television. Now uh, you uh, you know you work with uh, and and got to cover a number of players and coaches. Far too numerous to mention. Now I know the first was uh, the first in basketball was. Joe B. Hall. Of course, we just lost Joe earlier yeah. this year. Um, mm. Sadly, God rest his soul. But uh, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about your relationship with Joe B. for a second and the time you got to spend with him. It, it was good, uh, Sam. He um, he always made as young as I was, and I was I was twenty six when I first met Joe. I was. Uh, 29 when I first started working with him and doing the TV show, but he always made me feel like I was a part of it. And uh, he uh, was just, yeah, he was just, he was really, I was, I was fortunate with, with Joe and with other people over at the university too, like the Singletary's, Dr. Singletary's president of the university and his wife, Gloria and Cliff, Cliff Hagen and and uh, his wife were were great to me, but but Joe was was really really good. Uh, we had some good times together. Uh, you know the the postseasons were were pretty. Had some good really really good teams. You look at the post postseasons from seventy nine to eighty three. It's it's tough. It was it was pretty hard in the postseason. Uh, had the breakthrough to go to the final four in 84 and then you know the, the last year uh, won those two NCAA games out there out west out in Salt Lake City that was a nice way to finish it off it, it did surprise me that uh, that he stepped down when he did but uh, had a great relationship with him and uh, well I'm- never he never held he never held any grudges uh, you know, I, I never really got into a, a tough situation where, you know, I'm, I got to do a nightly sports cast. <laughs> right. So l- let's say you get an, in, let's say you get an investigation going on, which was just a couple more, your few years down the road. Oh, under Eddie Sutton. You know, yeah. How, yeah. Well, how do you treat all that? You know, I mean, that's not easy. And, uh, you know, people want to know what what's latest on this and it's like there's this little bit of information coming out day to day and 
and you know it's just it's it's tough but yeah uh, and they're prying I, you for details <laughs> yeah yeah joe was always uh there was never any you know serious problems certainly there were some disciplinary problems some things that came up and things mm -hmm. that went on there in the late 70s and early 80s but uh sure then again it was it was also a different world too things weren't as probably as prying from a media standpoint as they are today now yeah uh, but uh we had we had I had a good relationship with joe I had a, had a good relationship with uh all the coaches some i knew better than others right uh, yeah claiborne uh, was claiborne on the football side was very old school I mean, he was not just a person who played under Bear Bryant. Jerry was a player, person who coached under Bear Bryant, and he was old school, but I got along with him very well. He was not very comfortable with all the media attention. Oh, uh -huh. But not at all. Not at all. Uh, I, tell you, I tell you one story about the first spring practice. This would have been spring practice. of 82. I know, mm -hmm. I, yeah, it was spring of 82, and he came out. Uh, of course, there's cameras over there uh -huh. to, to shoot. I mean, all three of the Lexington stations, sure. all, all three of the Louisville stations were over there at that time. And I mean, I don't, I don't think he was prepared for it, really. I mean, I don't think Maryland got that kind of attention or, you know, at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, I don't think it got that. But he came out dressed in these blue he had a blue t-shirt on and these blue sweatpants didn't look very good <laughs> um and and i mean he was out there working with the players and i remember getting down in stance with the linemen and running around and doing stuff and and i just i just remember him not being prepared for the kind of attention it was going to get i mean it was a big it was a big thing it was the first time he was ever on the field with his new team uh but jerry was was old school uh and they, they, i but i i got along with him uh got along with him really good like i say with all the coaches i mean eddie yeah eddie sutton um outstanding coach oh yeah i know they really. loved him at oklahoma state later on outstanding outstanding coach and if you gave him a good I know it's been said many times, if you gave him a good inside guy and a good outside guy, which is what he had here. You know, he had Kenny Walker and he had Roger Harden. Um, I mean, they were they were pretty good. It's just a shame what happened the first year, you know, having to play LSU in that fourth game. They beat him in Lexington, beat him in Baton Rouge, beat him in the SEC tournament, and then lost the, the regional final in the Omni. Oh, heard about did, that. Yeah. Didn't get to the final four. And then the yeah, it's hard to beat a team up. four times. <laughs> yeah. The second year was a hard year. Well, that yes, was Rex's, but he coached Eddie coached the three pointer. That was the first year of the three pointer. And he didn't complain about it. He coached it, which is what you had to do. I mean, this is the way it's going to be. If you shoot at this from this far out, it's going to count three points. Exactly. Well, some people who didn't like that, you know. Yeah. There were some people who didn't like Bob Knight. I mean, but not that he wasn't a great. Certainly was one of the one of the great coaches ever. But uh, oh, sure. The third year was, uh, you know, they got upset. He had a heck of a team. Got upset in Birmingham, and then the the thing of the the investigation breaks in April, right after the third season had ended, and the fourth season was like a death march it, yeah there, there, that was a there, tough it was one. just curtains but um but yeah patino <laughs> patino was was good he was um gosh he was a young yeah. guy i know he brought a lot of energy to the program yeah yeah <laughs> he was let's see so he came in in let's see 90 i uh, came in in 89 he's two years younger than i am so i would have been turning I would have been turning 39. He would have been turning 37 right before the season started in the fall of 89. But I mean, it was, uh, I mean, the, the, you know, you remember the championship and the teams that went to the final four, but the, the, uh, the immediate turnaround, Sam was, was 
to um, have the, the team that he had that first year. And that was the team, and correct me if I'm, that was the team that did not lose at home, I don't believe, in the conference. I believe you're Seems right. Like I was just they won all the, I remember they got beat. They got beat in December in, in, but I don't think, I think they won all the conference games at home. They got blown out on the road. I remember getting blown out at Alabama and blown out some other places. And then, you know, the second year, you know, I mean, he wins, uh, you know, 20, he wins 20 games. Of course, those were the probation years, but the, the turnaround was just incredible. The team of the unforgettable <laughs> yes. in <from> 92. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was now that team, that team, you know, lost the regional final in the, to, well, in the Leitner shot. But yeah, the, the shot heard year, around the world. <laughs> and yeah, the next, the next year you're going to, uh, the next year you're going to the final four. Another thing, and the thing in Philadelphia was, it was devastating. That's, oh, that's sure. for sure. It's, but uh, it's hard yeah. to believe it, it happened, but it, uh, it, it did. Um, but uh, I always remember those those first two years. I mean, 89, 90, and 90, 91. Time sure has flown. And then, uh, of course, after uh, after 97, Orlando Tubby Smith came along. Yeah. And, um, you Fantastic. know, I, <laughs> he was a good man. I actually got to meet him once. And he was, uh, he was nothing but yeah. nice to me. And I think I remember hearing a story. Didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't Tubby Smith give you a, a present one time? Oh, wow. Like he a Christmas gave, present? <laughs> he probably gave me more than one present. I remember he always came to the station and passed out Christmas presents. Um, right. I'm trying to think, but um, that's the type of thing that he would do. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. He was he he was wonderful, and um, uh, he treated everybody uh, the way you the way you'd want to be treated. That's yeah. that's what he, what he did. Um, I was, it was it got to be frustrating, you know, with the the way things went. There were after the championship there the first year there were three good opportunities to get back to the final four, but somehow or other, you know, it it always didn't. You know, it all you know, whether it was what happened up in Minneapolis, you know, Bogans got hurt in the the game and yeah that was the year marquette beat him and they uh, yeah and then they got crushed you know they got crushed by marquette yeah and you know the team that that lost in columbus but uh you know it was uh and tubby went on and and you know kept it going he did it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't an easy thing to follow patino oh no And, and, and then to you know to to just keep it going uh the way he did and move on to, to other places and, and enjoy success there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, now Tubby, uh, Tubby, of course, came back with his high point team on New Year's Eve to play Kentucky. Did you get to see him by chance? I did not. Oh, okay. Uh, was it, was, uh, it was a memorable uh, raising the banner there and everything was, uh, it's just richly deserved. It's oh, something yeah. that's that's absolutely uh, absolutely uh, uh, appropriate, and uh, he he deserved it. What he, what he did for the program and what he did for the community here. Sure, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it it was he did. I mean, I think all the coaches have been pretty giving, but none so more than none so more than what he was with right, the, yeah, with the, the whole community. So. Uh, yeah, he uh, he and Donna certainly gave back. All right, that's <laughs> that's for sure. And then uh, after uh, two years of, of Billy Gillespie, then Calipari came in, and I know you uh, you, you retired yeah, yeah. with Calipari. And yeah, so. <laughs> Calipari was um, you know the the Billy G years were you know it was difficult. Sure, but uh, you know we got through it, and um, absolutely. The thing about Billy was everything that needed to get done always got done from my standpoint. And then I wasn't, you know, once Calipari came in, uh, I wasn't really doing the coaches show anymore. So, um, 
Sam, I did not have as close a relationship with him as I had with, you know, the other coaches. Oh, uh, I see. So by the end, uh, I'm saying, yeah, right. Somebody yeah, else is doing the coaches show shows. thing. And the same way with football, like, uh, you know, I did it. I was close, pretty close with Curry and with mummy. Right. But then after mummy, um, you know, not with Rich Brooks, although I, I greatly, you know, I got along with all of them. And, and Brooks, Rich, Rich Brooks was very, uh, very professional, extremely professional, extremely experienced man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably he... as professional a coach as I was ever around. Handled, uh, you know, all the and he handled all the situations, the disciplinary situations. Not that there were many at that time, but uh, and then moving forward with Joker, of course, you know, Joker was a player when I was doing the delay games. Oh, that's so right. I yeah, had, you covered some of his right. playing days. <laughs> Absolutely, and called some of his touchdown catches and stuff. But you know, I think I would describe myself, Sam, as a Calipari person. Uh, I think, you know, he's been perfect for the job. It's, it's been pretty discouraging what's happened uh, the last two seasons. And I think you can easily build a case against him by saying after the Wisconsin game up in Indianapolis, it just hasn't been the same. Uh -huh. He's had a couple of good opportunities to, to get to the final four, should have. Right. You know, he's lost, lost some games he never should have lost. Uh, but I think, I think he can still get it back and go a few more years. Just how long, I don't know. But I sure. definitely still got yeah, two or he's... three years left to go over there, and I think he can still get it back, and and uh, it it can be it can be Final Four level. Uh, they're going to be pretty good. Uh, they're going to be pretty so darn good. Yeah, yeah and, so. <laughs> and Cal still he he definitely has the right kind of personality for the job. That's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, he does. Of course, you go through a season like the year before last and you go through a St. Peter's game and it's, it's hard for any kind of a personality to, to carry anything. It's well, this is true, but uh, yeah, I think, I think they'll, I think they'll have a, a, a pretty good season. The unanimous national player of the year coming back and with the, rec the returning, the guys he does have coming back with the recruiting class he has coming in. I think there's a lot to, I think there's a lot to look forward to it. Like it always is, Sam, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm anxious to see how it pans out myself. Now, uh, yeah. not long ago, um, I know local telecasts were implemented during the uh, NCAA Final Four, and those allowed, you know, people to turn on to, I guess it was uh, TNT and True TV during the Final Four games and hear their, oh, right. their local people uh, right. calling those uh, the games for for their their in-state teams and I know um, you were a part of a few of those final four broadcasts I was I was a part of the one in Dallas and I did the Wisconsin game in Dallas with Rex Chapman which was a thrill and I will always be grateful to, to Turner Turner Sports did those and uh, I will always be grateful to them for giving me the opportunity to have to do something like that in front of an audience uh, that we had, because I think, and, and I don't know how many million, I, I forget exactly what it was, whether it was three or 4 million, but it, you know, we had just to, to watch that broadcast with Rex and me was heavily watched, but, and then, you know, Sam, I was just very blessed to, uh, have the game turn out to be the best game that I ever did. Oh yeah. That, because uh, yeah. that was an Aaron That's, Harrison shot. <laughs> that was one of the Aaron Harrison games. And uh, it was a game that was chuck full of huge plays, uh, oh, especially in the second half. You know, it was, it was very tight 
right down to the wire. It was a it was a thrilling game, and uh, I couldn't have been uh, any luckier than to have the years that I did the games back in the eighties and nineties. I mean, I had some games that were decided on last second shots. One was a game that Rex won against Ole Miss his freshman year, I think, or sophomore year, right at the buzzer in Rupp oh, Arena. Uh-huh. But I never, but I, I that was, uh, that game was absolutely the best. And uh, Turner was, uh, Turner Sports was, uh, was great. It was, it was fantastic being in, the green room with the other people that they had working like uh like charles barkley uh, oh sure let's see jim yeah, nance i guess yeah yeah uh, of course they were over on the cbs side sure uh, turner had their own room there but uh recalled uh, you know with charles uh, his days at auburn and playing against kentucky and the game that he was ejected from the kentucky game that he got thrown out of in auburn Oh, uh-huh. uh, but um, the yeah, whole he... thing was uh, the whole <laughs> thing was fantastic. The way, it, unfortunately, you know, two nights later they lost the championship game to UConn. But it was right. a, Dallas was a great experience. That was twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, twenty fourteen, and uh, yeah, we weren't uh, <laughs> we weren't even expected to to be in the final four. I know most people had us getting beat in, you know, that second round or third round at the latest. So it was well, a, a surprise. Yeah. I mean, there were teams that over, there were, you know, the 2000, you talk about great NCAA experiences, Sam, I'll always remember uh, Newark in 2011, I guess it was. Oh yeah, that was beat, an unexpected round too. Beating Ohio State and North Carolina. Oh yeah, State was, was number awesome. it was ranked number one in the country. North Carolina was number three, and you know that that team had Josh Harrelson on it and uh, a lot of other good players. But it, nobody really thought they were going to go up to Newark and win those two games. Yeah, and then go on go on to Houston. <laughs> oh, that That's... was a, that was a great. Uh, a great thing to go on to the final four there at Houston. Absolutely. So. That's uh, that's why they call it March Madness, I guess. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyhow, Rob, uh, since you retired in, uh, in 2017, sir, uh, what have you missed most about uh, the realm of television broadcasting? Oh, missed the most? Yeah. I suppose experiences, experiences, Sam, like uh going to the going to the NCA tournament is always a great time of year when you get to March. Oh, sure. Probably it's a lot of work, work a lot of hours, but um I guess just the the excitement of of the big games and uh being around that atmosphere of it, I probably miss the most. That you know the thing about it is though it's you talk about the course of a whole year, there's a lot of other times that don't include that. This <laughs> so, is true. <laughs> and that's, that's probably the part that I don't miss, you know, so much. I mean, from August of 74 until September of 2017, I basically worked two to midnight. Those were the general hours. <laughs> Almost literally a half day. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was, you know, work nights. I mean, I, and I, except I worked early morning radio when I was uh, the first two years working radio in Lima. But, you know, it's nice to not be up so late at night, not be up till two in the morning. And now to go to bed at 1030 or 11. Uh, and exactly. It, but, it, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was a great thing. It was a lot of fantastic experiences. And, uh, Exactly. I know. And we, uh, and we talked about the buzz a few bits ago. I know you also work with Dick Gabriel. And, oh, uh, yeah. Since, <laughs> let's see. Uh, the early 80s, yeah. Uh-huh. And Dick Did, is um, still, you know, working, uh, doing some of the UK um, um, stuff. And, you know, of course, on the football games, on the, on the sidelines. And, yeah, uh, he does sideline. 
still doing uh, the radio show here uh, on WLAP six to let's see six to eight. Yeah, six to eight so, weeknights. Uh, yeah, I worked with Dick a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did right. he work nights as well? <laughs> no. 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 I mean, I well some, but you know, I was pretty much the the evening person to do the to be on the late night sports. Right. So that was pretty uh, being much on the 11 o'clock sports. Uh, <laughs> I never worked in the central time zone. I never had the, <laughs> I never was able to be on the 10 o'clock news. Yeah. Uh, it was always 11 in the 30. Eastern. So. <laughs> always 11. This has, uh, this is definitely been great. Now, uh, last but not least, uh, for those of our audience aspiring to perhaps follow in Rob Bromley's footsteps and maybe become the next sports anchor or great play-by-play voice uh, what do you believe to be the most important tricks of the trade well to get in it you know i think you've got to get you probably have to get started young and get as much experience as you can at an early age um You've got to have a real thirst for it, Sam, a real desire to do it. Um, oh, yeah. Going to going to college and you know, that's important. You, you can get you can definitely get experience, a lot more experience through through what facilities colleges have now, as opposed to what they had back in the day when when I went. And that was a reason. I went to Butler because they had that student radio station, but it's, uh, it can be a, you know, it, it can be a difficult road. It's something that your, your heart has to really be in. You have to be committed to that because it, it tends to be, uh, it tends to be long hours, um, uh, with low pay and, um, you know, you, you work, you know, you work a lot of week. You work weekends. I, I talked about working nights. What about working weekends and holidays? You know, right. I mean, yeah, the games don't all, always stop on holidays. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, and and the weekends. Uh, you know, I always look for one reason. I always look forward to March. That it was uh, <laughs> the whole end of the fall and winter sports season was not far off, and it would. You know, you wouldn't be working weekends. Yeah, you could at least enjoy Saturday and Sunday yeah. off for a while. Everybody would say, well, you know, you're, you're going to the games and doing this and that. Well, yeah, but it, it gets to be an off, the family gets to be an awfully short weekend too. But I, I yeah. say, you know, you got to have, a, you really got to want to do it and have a very, very strong commitment to it. Uh, get started very early if you can find an opportunity even before college age to get your foot in the door or get your feet in the water with the local radio station or uh, wherever to do. And, you know, things have gotten, things have progressed so far that high schools have uh, programs even now with audio visual the way it is compared to the way way it was back when, when I was in high school. So, Get involved in that stuff and, and get as, as much, you know, early on in life as you possibly can. There you go. Yeah, just, you know, be passionate about it and yep. work hard at it. Get, get yep. in there early. And, and you, uh, say, you can say that's true with anything, but, um, you know, you have to find uh, you have to find something in life that you can really sink your teeth into and go all out at it you know 100 percent yeah so and in the end if you, if you can <laughs> you know if you could stick with it as as long as as rob did the the rewards will will come i mean gosh i remember right before you retired you won a uh, a silver circle award so we can't neglect to mention yeah. that well, and, uh, that was, yeah, that was an honor. That was back in 2015. Yeah. The, okay. You know, so a few years before you retired. Yeah, yeah. just a couple, just a couple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember that. That was, that was quite an honor. Let's say that that's given by the, uh, was it the Ohio Valley Broadcasters yeah. Association? Right. The Ohio Valley. Um, oh, I'll think of it here. It was the, um, 
Uh, I read it a while back. I just forgot. Ohio Valley chapter uh, of the uh, Yale Academy of Television and Arts and Sciences. Uh, oh, okay. Just the Silver <laughs> Circle Award. Yeah. The Ohio chapter there. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> that's cool stuff. And yes, much much deserved indeed. Well, uh, Rob, you've been great, and we sure appreciate you coming on with us. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I have, Sam. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you a lot and uh, continue uh, enjoying those retirement years and enjoy watching those games from the comfort of your living room. I sure will. <laughs> Needless to say, Rob Bromley is a walking encyclopedia when it comes to Kentucky Wildcat sports over the past, well, it's been a little over 45 years now since he first set foot in Lexington back in January of 1977, and I know that the stories we heard today are but a mere fraction of the stories that uh, Rob's got up his sleeve, so I'll see what I can do about bringing him back on board and uh, chatting with him some more. I know that it would be equally as much fun as we had this time, so uh, I certainly was honored and privileged to visit with Mr. Rob Bromley, and uh, yes, Rob is a big name. But uh, not all of my guests need to be big names. So, we you know, when you're thinking about suggestions for me, don't think that they all have to be big names because there are plenty of people throughout our great commonwealth that uh, deserve more exposure. They deserve to be uh, promoted. And maybe with our help and others' help, they'll become a big name. They deserve to be a big name, but it just hadn't happened for them yet. So let me know about those people, too. I'm readily available via email, as you know, bluegrassblabbed at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. I enjoy featuring restaurants. I enjoy featuring state parks musicians, educators, every once in a while, in case you're new, we have a feature called the uh, Exceptional Educator, where we like to spotlight the uh, admirable work of teachers throughout the bluegrass, and uh, I've promoted several festivals this summer so far, and hope to promote several more, as it is festival season, we are pretty much right in the heart of it right now, and I certainly don't claim to know about all of the big festivals that happen across our great state, so uh, feel free to let me know about those, either via email or the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. If you're not already liking or following the page, you owe it to yourself to do so. All of my previous shows are right there. We also have teasers on future shows that we put out about every week or so, so you can get a uh, a preview of our future plans. You can make comments, leave messages, because I love interacting with all of my listeners via the Facebook platform, too. So, if we play our cards right, guys and gals, we will head your way again on June 22nd. That'll be next Wednesday, as June is zipping right by. So, we hope that you uh, grace us with your presence, because needless to say... It's not a complete show without you. I mean, the the guests are, are great, and they're a must as well. But listeners are also important. I value you as much as my guests. So make sure that you're here to help make this show possible here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. And before we bid you adieu for this week, let's give you the long-awaited answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster from the beginning of the program, again, the one, or one of the last battles in the Revolutionary War was fought right here in Kentucky. I wanted to know what was the name of this battle. It was the Battle of Blue Licks. Yes, indeed, the Battle of Blue Licks. It was fought August 19th of 1782. That was 10 years before Kentucky officially became a state in 1792. But uh, Battle of Blue Licks was fought in Robertson County. In fact, the uh, Blue Licks battlefield is now part of the Kentucky State Park System. I noticed in uh, doing a little research that uh, Blue Lick Battlefield State Park actually has a Carlisle, Kentucky address. Now, Carlisle is in Nicholas County, but Nicholas does border Robertson County where the battle was fought. So maybe it's, uh, you know, the battlefield's in Robertson County, but it just has a, 
a Carlisle address because that's the the nearest town, perhaps. I don't know, I definitely need to visit. I need to have them on my show as well. So uh, that's a future feature that we're going to strive for, okay? But anyway, the Battle of Blue Licks, one of the last battles of the Revolutionary War, and it was fought right here in the Commonwealth, Robertson County to be specific, on August 19th. 1782. Come on back next week for yet another Bluegrass Brain Buster. In the meantime, make sure that you like and subscribe to Blabbit in the Bluegrass without paying one pretty penny. Also, listen free of charge via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and or Verbal. These podcast directories are very easy to use. They couldn't be any more affordable than free of charge. And uh, we strongly encourage you to uh, keep tabs on the show via one or more of these wonderful podcast directories. Again, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. Always looking to add more, and I will keep you posted on that as well. But until we meet again next week, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.